the Why Watch That Talk. Well, go ahead and button your pants and zip them back up. <laughs> what am I talking about? Yeah, I'll tell you what I'm talking about. The holiday season's over. <laughs> Get off of your couch. <laughs> well, we're in, we're in, a, in, in the interim. <laughs> You're in the interim, but the Thanksgiving is done. You can yeah. button back those pants and zip them back up because we've got work to do, folks. And what work am I talking about? I'm talking about TV. <laughs> of course, we are working. And of course, by we, I mean the critic. So <laughs> we're going to talk about some series premieres. Now, there's a ton of them. And what I hear word on the street is that the critic has been lollygagging all around the, the country and the coast. And now he's he's eating his punishment. <laughs> and that is to watch all of these shows enough so that we as listeners and as fans of the critic can hear his thoughts no okay but i watched a couple things yeah nothing nowhere near as much as you have so let's dive right in now Mm. hbo has a new show called sally forever and it's not how you think it's spelled or maybe it is it's sally number four ever And it's in its first season. Of course, it's only about seven episodes. I don't know much about this, Mm. but I think you do, Critic. Yeah. And um, Sally, she seems to be stuck in a rut. Uh David, her boyfriend of 10 years, sings in an all-male quartet. (laughs) (laughs) And he desperately wishes for her to agree to marry him. Her parents, especially mom, are annoying. And her co-workers are imbeciles. Oh. Something's gotta give. And it does. After Sally finally acquiesces to David's ridiculously pitiful call for him to marry her, she has an abrupt sexual awakening. Oh. She finds herself falling for, I guess what you would call a singer, named Emma, who's played by Julia Davis, the creator, writer, and director of the show. And this relationship is going to change everything for Sally and rock and shock her world. Now, this show's humor is generated by Catherine Shepard as Sally, who reacts rather reasonably to absolutely ridiculous everyday circumstances. For instance, when your coworkers always say inappropriate things, do you call them out? Ow! When they have an extended conversation about the sizes of women's boobs, you mumble under your breath things like, well, I don't know about that. (laughs) Or you make a face. And that contrast does work really well. I was laughing out loud, actually. Plus, Sally's rather awkward, which just compounds the humor as she attempts to come across as cool and collected. However, I do have to say that the end of this show's first episode has one of the most out there sex scenes ever shown on TV. At first, I thought it was just silly, and then it turned disgusting for me in a couple of minutes. So if that kind of thing isn't your cup of tea, you've been warned. Otherwise, if you can stomach that kind of action and this kind of humor works for you, go ahead and check it out. Guess who'll be watching it? (laughs) Not me. Okay, we both got a chance to see some of the uh, the new show on Netflix starring Michael Douglas and Alan Arkin. Whoa, mm. what a pair called The Kreminsky Method. Now, 
method. What do you think of? Well, mm-hmm. I'm I'm an actor, so are you, or former one, or whatever you want to call it. When I hear the word method, yeah, I'm thinking of something very specific, and it turns out it's not that far from the truth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because in this show, Michael Douglas plays acting coach extraordinaire Sandy Kaminsky, who's been in the business a long time, and has coached all kinds of mega movie stars. Just ask him. Ever. <laughs> After a brief taste of success, his own acting career has been a struggle to say the least. Now, this doesn't please him, but what can you do? So to keep things afloat in his classes, Sandy must put up with students who aren't so talented and aren't so wise. I mean, they're acting students, right? Yeah. And this means that he has to continuously inculcate them into the Kaminsky method like a modern-day Stanislavski. Plus... He has to constantly remind them of how you should conduct yourself in a restroom. (laughs) But not all is bad, because Lisa, a new student of his, takes a liking to him, and he likes her back. Yeah, he do. And for once, she's age-appropriate. Now, this pleases Eileen, the wife of his agent and best friend, Norman, played by Alan Arkin. And pleasing Eileen is a good thing, because this isn't the kind of woman you can say no to. Plus... Eileen is also one of Sandy's closest friends, and she's terminally ill. Which means that Sandy heeds her words when she asks him to take care of Norman after she's gone. In addition, Sandy has a grown daughter named Mindy, who runs his studio with him and does her best to support her not-so-easygoing father. Now, here are my thoughts, and then I'm interested in yours, Ref. Here's what's good about the Kaminsky Method. The cast is led by people who just want to do the work and have nothing to prove. They know that that's enough. So nothing's forced, which makes this a nice comedy to watch. Plus, the episodes are around just 30 minutes each. In addition, this was created, like you said, by Chuck Lorre, who also created The Big Bang Theory, Young Sheldon, among many others. So we're in the hands of a master of TV comedy. Now, is this show a laugh a minute? No. No. But it doesn't have to be because there's more going on than just comedy. Plus, it doesn't have a laugh track, which you know I love. So if you're interested in watching Michael Douglas and Alan Arkin make fun of the acting business and the perils of getting older as they and the rest of this solid cast and surprise guest stars. Yes, Patty. (laughs) They glide through this first season's eight episodes. Then the Kaminsky Method is the show for you. Now, what are you thinking about that? Well, I say this. If you are interested in something like Frankie and Gracie, mm-hmm. Frankie and Grace, mm-hmm. uh, that's also on Netflix. If you're interested in mature comedy, um, I think this is the way to go. It really is Michael Douglas and Alan Arkin's show. Yeah. It really, really is. They work well together. I enjoyed watching it. It's like you said, it's not a huge commitment. Mm. So it, you can, and you don't have to watch it um, sequentially, like meaning, oh gosh, I have to binge it now. Then I have to go to the next one. Then I have to go to the next one. But you may find yourself doing so. Hmm. <laughs> Origin, which is on YouTube Premium. Uh oh, mm. I think this is our second YouTube or second or third YouTube show that we've talked about on our show. Um, it's in its first season. About 10 episodes of that. Listen, if you're interested in getting another (laughs) premium program, maybe YouTube might be the one for this. Let's see if Origin will tip, if we can tip our hat toward 
uh, paying for more footage or content from YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now in origin, uh, a group of people, including Draco Malfoy from Harry Potter, they awaken violently oh. on a spaceship that's bound for Thea, the one planet other than Earth that can support human life. Now, they weren't supposed to wake up until they reached Thea, so something must have gone wrong. Also, they don't know each other, so they can't trust each other. Now, eventually, they learn why they were awakened. Something crashed into the ship and commenced to killing some passengers and crew members in unnatural ways, which led to a mass exodus from the ship without them. But just what is that something and why were they left behind? Also, how will they be able to survive adrift in space? Is there a way for them to get out of this mess in Altafia in one piece? And just what kind of people, outside of scientists and the like, would voluntarily leave Earth to colonize a new planet anyway? What are they hiding? Sounds like passengers. Doesn't it? Now, as you hinted, this show doesn't offer anything new for the sci-fi genre. So execution is the key. But the execution here is mediocre. Case in point, the convention of revealing a different character's backstory in each episode isn't the best fit here because the interesting part is what's going to happen. Not what happened before they boarded the ship. Hmm. So every time they flash back, things stall. I mean, why not reveal who these people are within the context of what's happening in the show's present? Come on. That would maintain momentum and leave more room for the audience to try to fill in the blanks themselves, which would be much more fun. Also, many of these characters, here we go, are annoying and do reckless things. So why should we want to spend time with them? I certainly don't. However, if you're a fan of sci-fi in general, you can check out this show's first two episodes for free. Just know that if you don't already have YouTube Premium and you don't want it for other reasons, Origin and this platform's other original offerings probably aren't good enough to justify paying a monthly fee of $11.99. $11.99? Not even close. But wait a minute, ref. It's been reported that YouTube is going to begin releasing its originals for free with commercials within the next year or so. And that's more like it. Mm, Mm -hmm. I agree. Well, um, let's go to Hulu then. Yeah. (laughs) With not bisexual, but the bisexual or the bisexual. I'm not sure which. Um, Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now look, we have Layla, played by show co-creator Desiree Akhavan. She's Iranian and she's from New York, but she lives in London. Yeah. Okay. And she's been in a committed relationship with her partner, Sadie, for a decade. (laughs) In addition, she and Sadie are business partners whose company is starting to get media attention. However, when Sadie asks Layla to marry her, Layla discovers that she's not that into the idea. This sounds like what we just talked about. (laughs) Forever. But look, but why not? That's the question, right? After all, she really does love Sadie. Well, regardless, she decides to take a break from her relationship and move in with a semi-successful author named Gabe, who has a fondness for one of his university students. And during this time, she realizes that she's attracted to men too, despite never having had a relationship with a man. Even still, 
She capitalizes on that realization. First, with a random guy who she meets at a club. It doesn't end well. Second, with a friend of her new flatmate. It again doesn't end well, unfortunately. Plus, she's not quite sure about the whole bisexual thing anyway, in any shape or form. I mean, how could that be her? Also, she finds it difficult to tell her friends, including her best friend, Denise, about it. So the whole thing is awkward. Now look, everybody. By the second episode of this show's six-episode first season, you will know whether it's the show for you. It's obvious that Desiree, who directed every episode and co-wrote almost every episode, is drawing from experience here. So the show has a specific sort of sensibility, which is always welcome. So here's the question for viewers. Is it your kind of specificity? And here's what I'll say in response. While I was watching this, I kept thinking of Issa from Insecure. Layla's like Issa if Issa were a bi-curious lesbian of Iranian descent. (laughs) (laughs) Also, while this show is on Hulu... Yeah, right? (laughs) And look, while this show is on Hulu uh, here in the States, it would fit in rather well with many of HBO's other comedies, including Girls and High Maintenance. It would also fit with Amazon's Catastrophe, which is another transplant from Channel 4 in Great Britain. So here's my recommendation. If you like at least two of the shows I just mentioned, check this out. Thankfully, each episode's only around 30 minutes again, so it's not a huge commitment, especially if you like comedy of the awkward variety that's spiced with drama and you can handle explicit content. Well, let's end this first, this part one with (laughs) the much anticipated new uh, franchise installment of Narcos. And now we're moving to Mexico. Mm. Mm. Now, what are we doing with that? It's on Netflix, 10 episodes. Uh, did it even touch the original Marcos? Uh, we'll get to that, I think. Now, in this reboot of the Narcos series, we're in Mexico during the 80s, and the drug trade is just about to explode, possibly for good. However, at the moment, dealing drugs is a small-time thing, and the army in Sinaloa is burning drug crops left and right. But in the midst of all of this is Felix Gallardo, played by Diego Luna, a local cop who impresses the army by squeezing information out of one of the local dealers, or so they think. They look at Felix and go, this guy's no ordinary local cop. Uh. If only they knew. You see, Felix has a plan to become a major player in the drug game. And his plans require a relocation to a much more attractive city in Mexico. He knows that he must set up shop in Guadalajara. Now, Felix seemingly is a nobody. So how's he going to pull this off? Well, he has just the right kind of smarts and he has unexpected leverage. Plus, he has a young family to provide for, so he's not lacking for motivation or emotional support. However, what Felix doesn't know is that the nascent Drug Enforcement Administration has an agent who's motivated to make a name for himself as well. His name is Kiki Camarena, played by Michael Pena. Oh, yes. Yeah. And he arrives at the DEA's Guadalajara Bureau just as Felix arrives in the city. Now, just like Felix, Kiki is also underestimated. But Kiki's familiarity with Guadalajara 
his grandmother's from there, along with his keen observation skills, fearlessness, and desire to support his young family, make him someone to pay attention to. So of course, Felix and Kiki are on a crash course toward each other, but exactly how is that gonna play out? Plus, along the way, just how far will each of them rise? It doesn't look good whether you understand the history of the drug trade or not. Now look, while Narcos is now focused on a new story, it hasn't lost its strengths. It's still filmed and acted well. Plus, it does a good job of giving you important information as clearly as possible without seeming like a bland history lesson. The other thing that's good about this iteration of the series is that they found just the right pace, not too fast and not too slow. Mm -hmm. So it feels like you're in lockstep with the characters. And as a result, if you watch the original Narcos, you have every reason to continue watching. However, however, if you didn't watch the original and you're interested, you actually can start at the, uh, the beginning or you can start with this show if the original didn't quite click. Huh. In this reboot, there isn't a figure quite like Pablo, Pablo Escobar to command almost all of the attention. But that's a good thing because I found Escobar's story unnecessarily drawn out in the original show. Its saving grace was Wagner Mora as Pablo, along with the other actors. And it switched to a focus on the Cali cartel in its final season. So as long as this version of the show avoids drawing things out too much, all will be well. Ooh, you heard it here, folks. Now we're going to end it here, but we're not finished. If you stay tuned later on this week, we'll talk a little bit more about series premieres. And we promise the critic is going to give us... His top choice. Oh, uh, uh. oh. 